And uh, I tell you what, I'm very excited about this message this morning. Um, this message, I will just say, that uh, is going to be an incredible message. And so I'm, I'm so glad you're here this morning, and I, I, I look forward to sharing this with you. This is something that is very dear to my heart. It's something that we got to practice in our life. I've been going through a series on judgment, that God's the only one that reserves the right to judge, that we can be fruit observers, that type of thing. Uh, one of my favorite messages in this series was uh, fixing you is killing me uh, because some of us try to fix others and, and we wind up that we ourselves are losing our life in the midst of all of the chaos and mess that others create. You kind of have to be careful with that. So last week I kind of started uh, on, on this topic that self-judgment is suicidal. And when I talk about, I really didn't like that title, but it just says what needs to be said. When we judge ourselves inaccurately or inappropriately, it becomes suicidal because the voice of the accuser is one of condemnation. And I kind of broke ground with this talking about Ananias and Sapphira. Now, I've only read this one time from a, what, I can what I consider an expert in a commentary, and his name's F.F. F. Bruce. Some of you probably read some of F.F. F. Bruce's stuff, but just saying that, in saying that, I just want you to know that uh, he talks about Ananias and Sapphira that, that really, basically, when Peter says, why have you allowed Satan to enter your heart? What he's saying is, is Jesus, of course, is supposed to be in our heart. When you allow Satan into your heart, you stand at risk of self-judgment. So most scholars will say they lied to the Holy Spirit, and this is why they died. As a matter of fact, uh, Peter does, does uh, in verse 9, so this is Acts chapter 5, verse 9. It says, but Peter said to her, how is it, this is Sapphira, how is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Now most scholars will say this. They will tell you that because they lied to the Holy Spirit, they died. Now, none of you have ever lied to the Holy Spirit, have you? Yeah, whatever. All right, we've said we'll never do that again, or we've promised the Lord, Lord, I promise you, you remove this situation from me, or better yet, remove me out of this situation, I will never do this again. And a week later, what happens? You're back in the situation. But uh, the men don't show up at your door to carry you out, hopefully. <laughs> now, they could. Uh, but, but they don't. But so what, what is going on here? Well, his suggestion is this, and, and we're going to take this a lot further today. His suggestion is that Satan had entered their heart, coming from verse 3 there. It says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself a part of the proceeds of the land? And so uh, Satan is the accuser. They begin to hear Satan's voice. Now, remember, Jesus is the acquitter. You've got Jesus in your heart. Jesus acquits, but Satan accuses. And so they began to listen to that voice. That voice was louder than any other voice in their life. And it could be the possibility of what happened here. I'm going to take this a little bit further today. We're going to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. And we're going to spend some time here in verse 23 through 32. We've got to move this morning. I've got a lot of material. And I really want to get it all said. So let's jump in. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. 
For as often as you drink this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let, let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Now let me stop right here for just a moment. Last week I unpacked this just basically why Paul had to write this. There were people that were showing up and eating all the communion elements. They were getting there and throwing a party in Jesus' name. Those are good parties, but be careful with them, okay, because uh, there's danger that lurks. Now, in saying that, I, I want us to see something else, because on the night that Jesus did this, what happened? I just read it. I know it's early. On the night that Jesus did this, it says that he was, this is the night, right, when he would be betrayed. So he knows that a betrayal is coming. He knows that one sitting at the table is going to betray him. He could easily condemn what's taken place. Instead, he gives his body for it. And that becomes very important because verse 28, let a person examine himself. That word examine uh, in the Greek is dokimazado. And what it, the way you spell it is D-O-K-I-M-A-D-Z-O. Now, that word examine, this is what it means, to test, to examine, to prove, to scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or not as metal. So what he's saying is you need to see, one, if you're genuine in Christ Jesus, but two, you need to, to understand how you're seen in Christ Jesus before you take this cup. Now this is, this is important, men, because if we think of ourselves as being worthy to come to the Lord's table... If I were to take a survey today and say, how many of you see yourselves as completely worthy to come and sit at the table of Christ and take communion, we would be split down the middle. As a matter of fact, there may be more of you that say, I am unworthy. I am a man of unclean lips, right? We kind of go back and, and we say, hey, I, I, I'm, I'm really, I'll just bow down here. I'm just thankful to be in his presence. This is examining ourselves. Be careful with that. So when he's talking about in an unworthy manner, if you don't understand the fullness of what Christ has done for you, then you will take communion in an unworthy manner. This is why. Because you're still relying on your performance instead of his. That make sense? So as we continue on through this, uh, we are asked to find ourselves approved. This is not an internal audit to find fault with us. The goal is not to look inward and find why I'm disapproved. Look into your heart and find what brings you approval. So this means that our hearts become very important here in how we see ourselves. I mean, if you've been through some difficult situations or circumstances, if you've made some unreasonable choices, none of us ever do that, but sometimes we may, right? But, but maybe you're, you're freshly out of a divorce. Maybe you're freshly out of a, some type of abusive relationship. Maybe you found yourself at the bar over the weekend. Maybe Labor Day was party day for you. And you're saying, man, there's no way I can see myself in a worthy manner. Now, listen, I don't believe in good Christians and bad Christians, but I do believe in obedient Christians. All right? And, and, and this is what we're called to do. Follow the Lord. That's, that's a part of our obedience. However, be careful because if you're not approving yourselves in the way that Jesus, and, and looking at what Jesus finished on the cross, then you will stand in disapproval of yourself and you'll take communion in an unworthy manner manner see legalism has forced us to look at ourselves and our works look at verse 29 if you're following along with me for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself 
And the word judgment here means the same thing as condemnation. So in the Greek, these two words are, are running parallel one with another. All right, so he's saying anyone who drinks judgment on himself drinks condemnation on himself. If we don't find ourselves approved, worthy, and genuine through Christ and the finished work of the cross, we will find ourselves condemned, and a condemned person is what? Guilty. Now, if you see yourself as guilty, like I said, I don't like the title of my message, but it's the only thing I can think of. I'm not the most creative man in the world. But, but what I'm saying is self-judgment is suicidal. If you see yourself as guilty, what, what do you think? Not that you'll go out and commit suicide, but you're saying, I'm, I'm unworthy. In my own judgment, I'm the worst there is. Careful with that. Paul states conclusively in Romans 8, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are found in Christ Jesus. And condemnation is a sense of guilt where in, in, in it we believe that we deserve punishment. The results is self-judgment or the judgment others place on us. And self-judgment is suicidal. Now I don't have this. I started to put it in uh, last night. I don't have this in, in my message. But I want you to think for a minute when Judas betrayed Jesus. So for, for 30 pieces of silver, Judas betray, betrays Jesus. What happens to Judas afterwards? Hangs himself. Well, there's actually two accounts, right? One, he hangs himself. The other, uh, his blood pours out on the field, right? His, his guts, uh, according to Scripture, spill out on the field. But, but, but ultimately, Jesus, through that, or Judas, I'm sorry, through that self-condemnation, didn't trust in what Jesus was doing. And so he went out and he committed suicide. He judged himself wrongly. Yes, he betrayed Christ, but who hasn't? Okay, so the problem is we fail to discern the Lord's body. That is, in every aspect of his life, we should look to Jesus and what he has accomplished for us in his own body. This is why he says, this is my body. This is what he's going to accomplish for us. Verse 30, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. The result of us not finding ourselves approved through Christ and the cross is the reason that many are weak and sick today in the community of faith. Simply because we don't believe that we should be in health. We don't believe that we should be well. We don't deserve to be in that state. Right? Same word as above. It means to examine or find approval. So as we, as we keep going, then in verse 31, but if we judged ourselves truly, we would, be, we, would, we would not be judged. That means to examine, to find approval. If we would find ourselves approved and not pass judgment on ourselves, we would, experience, we would not experience the suicidal condemnation of self-judgment. Now in the book of John, you probably don't have time to turn over there, but in your notes you can put this scripture, John 5, 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. Now these are Jesus' words, and what Jesus is saying is he who believes in me has eternal life and does not come into judgment. That means you don't have the right to judge yourself. If you are in Christ and you are judging yourself, let me tell you something, that is a form of pride and that does not believe in the finished work of the cross for you. Make sense? All right, I know this, there's a lot here. So, going back to, to verse 32. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So, the Apostle Paul says this, you are going to be disciplined but not judged. 
There's a huge difference here. Our judgment means punishment. God's judgment means discipline. A father's good, sweet love to turn us back onto the track that we're supposed to be on. Back in the direction that we're supposed to go. See, this passage will trip you up and lead you down a path of self-judgment and condemnation if you don't understand what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, your father loves you enough to discipline you. Hebrews, author of Hebrews, and I'm sorry I didn't put the scripture in here, but I'll just tell you what it says. All right, you can just go look it up on your own. But in Hebrews, God disciplines who? Those whom he loves. I mean, we do the same with our children. You show me undisciplined children? And sometimes I question the love that's been shown and shared with them. And you're going, oh my gosh, Curtis, what? That's judgment. That's true. All right? It's not fair. Not fair to you. Sometimes you just have bad kids. I mean, I just, I know good parents with bad kids. Sometimes that happens. But, but the world gets a hold however it looks, you know. But, but the truth is, we discipline those whom we love. We, we tell them, hey, you can't go play out in the street. If you do, you'll be what? Corrected. You'll be disciplined because we love you. We want life for you. It's the same how our God sees us. If you believe that the pain in your life is punishment from God, then there is no relief for you. Now, let me say that again. If you believe that the pain in your life is punishment from God, then there is no relief. Because where is your help? Think about this for a minute, man. You're stuck. I'm stuck if that's what I believe. The truth is that Jesus was punished in his body so we could be forgiven. We see this in the book of Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced through for our, he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. Jesus accomplished this for us through the physical offering of his body. His punishment resulted in the forgiveness of our sins. Now that our sins are forgiven, we have peace with God. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So look, we have to believe in the finished work of the cross. Here's another truth for you. If you believe that shame in your life is justified or justifiable condemnation, then there is no relief for you. If you believe that shame in your life is a justifiable condemnation, then there is no relief for you. You will always walk in shame. Jesus is the hope. He is the victory for our lives. He endured the shame of the cross is what the scripture says. And by offering his physical body in order to bring not only him glory, but to bring us up to glory. Crucifixion was the most shameful form of punishment reserved for the most abased criminals. In the Old Testament, the worst thing you could do to someone is to hang them from a tree. By the time that carried over to the New Testament, the most shameful way of death was to continue to hang them on a tree. Now, it wasn't a living tree. They made it in in the form of a cross. But it was the most shameful form of punishment. So Jesus' body hung on the cross. It was naked and in public display. The crowds mocked him. Soldiers insulted him. The Jewish leaders taunted him. And what he endured was simply this, shame, shame. He endured shame, right, so that we wouldn't have to. In Psalm 69, verse 7, this is important scripture here, because for your sake I have borne reproach, shame has covered my face. But Jesus endured the shame because he knew that through it he could bring us to a place of glory. And we wouldn't have to walk in the shame of our actions 
or activities in this life. 1 Peter 1.10. I know I'm jumping. I've got, man, and these scriptures just keep coming to mind. Of course, this is the gospel, man. This is pretty easy. This part of it, the hard part's belief. 1 Peter 1.10. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries or inquiries. Seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. So by understanding these truths, we are able to rightly discern what Jesus accomplished for us in his body. That they had searched it out and they understood. Old Testament, New Testament, Pharisees, Sadducees, religious scribes, they, had, they knew what was going to happen. They knew that at some point in time there was going to be a need for a final sacrifice to happen. They knew this. So here we are today. And where we, are, where we should be today is to know that what God has done is enough. It is pride to judge yourself incorrectly. And let me just say this. It's pride to judge yourself incorrectly. And if you do, if you do, just know this. God opposes the proud is what the scripture says. God opposes the proud. So how do we not run around like spooled rotten kids? Because God disciplines those whom he loves. There will still be consequences for bad choices, man. You're not off the hook. I mean, you can be forgiven, but forgiven in our world doesn't necessarily mean forgotten. Maybe in God's world, maybe he, and, and he remembers our sins no more. Well, in our world, some people will. They'll say, oh, yeah, but I remember you when you were at Tulia, when you were in high school. No, that wasn't me. That was just my black Chevy, right? I was just the driver of it. See, that, that stuff kind of comes out. Shame tries to find its way back. People don't always forget. But God says, hey, you, you don't want to be prideful. You don't want to shame yourself. That is not humility. I want you to hear this, too, that shame and humility are not the same things. So we think we, we're like this, this dog that uh, he rolls over and wets himself. And that's a humble dog. No, that's a shameful dog. For whatever reason, I don't know why he's that way, but he gets around his master and he rolls over. That, that's, not, that's not how God wants us. He wants us to be confident children in him. Self-judgment is constantly focusing on me and my faults. This is another reason why it's prideful. Because it's all about who? Me. Me. You ever done something in a day and say, I can't go serve the Lord after what I've done? Or after what I've said or the fit I just threw? Man, if people saw me throw a fit like that and say the words that I've said or whatever that looks like, I can't go serve the Lord. Well, who? what voice are you listening to? I mean, the war in us is the war between the flesh and the spirit. And so are you going to let the spirit win today? Okay, so you just threw a fit. You just said some things. You know, I, I do believe in repentance. I, I definitely believe in repentance. I think we say, hey, Lord, uh, control my tongue. Help me to get a, a handle on that. And the very next person I see, if I can witness, if I can allow the Spirit to lead me and say something about Jesus, I'm going to take that stand and do it better next time. If you believe God punishes you, you will waver in your faith. You will. Because you'll believe you're going to get what you deserve. 
I had a lady one time, I love sharing this story, I was working out at the, at the sale barn and she came riding up next to me and, and uh, I said, how are you today? And she said, well, I'm, I'm doing great, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I just don't deserve to live like this. And I looked at her and I said, I'm just so glad I don't get what I deserve. And, and, and the cool thing that happened from that on horseback, I got to witness to this lady because she said, well, explain that to me. What do you mean you're glad you don't get what you deserve? I know I deserve a lot worse, but what Jesus has done in my life is enough. You know, it provided an opportunity to witness. So if you feel your performance can outperform that of Christ, you will waver. He either did it all or he did nothing at all. That's it. Self-judgment is suicidal. Hebrews 3, 1, Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts, fix your eyes on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. Transformation doesn't happen by focusing on what is wrong. People are transformed into whatever holds their attention. People who focus on their faults never escape their faults. Hebrews 12, 2, takes it a little bit further. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down at the right hand of God the Father. See, fix your eyes on Jesus. Our call to follow Jesus is a call to a life that is focused on him. He should become the center of our lives. When he is not the focus, he is no longer the influence. So I'm going to land this thing. I told you I had a lot. We've been through a lot of information here. In the case of Ananias and Sapphira, they were brand new Christians, if Christians at all. I mean, it, really, we're right here in the beginning of Acts. And so whether they're Christians at all, I don't know. They, they had bought into something for sure. They had not yet learned about freedom from the law and deliverance from the wrath of God. They were candidates for suicidal self-judgment. And when confronted with their sin of lying to the Holy Spirit, their hearts were overwhelmed with fear and condemnation and shame. And it's ironic to me, God, the giver of life, was blamed for their death. In fact, Acts 5, 5 and 10 says that they died on their own. God didn't kill them. Possibly the devil didn't kill them. I mean, possibly... It was an outside force, or maybe even an inside force, self-condemnation. It came from their hearts. They believed something that wasn't true and died because of what they believed. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 says it this way, Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love always protects. Love always trusts. Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It never fails. The only day... The only antidote for a life of judgment is a life of love. If anything will work, love will. If love won't work, nothing will. So there's a lot of information there, men, just finishing this up. Matter of fact, I've thought about taking this message, because this is really one message from last week and this week, and making a series out of it. Because this is just detrimental to our faith. And more importantly, when we self-judge, it's detrimental to our witness. When we feel guilt and shame, we are less likely to be a witness for Jesus Christ. But Father God, I thank you, Lord, for these men. Father, I pray that you help us to be confident children of you in the finished work of the cross. And Lord, that we'll, we will walk 
in prayer and praise with you, listening to our Father as you point us to our true north, to the destination that you've uh, willed for our lives. In your name, amen.